What is up, plant people? It is Tuesday, April 21st, 2020, and I'm glad to see you here for another episode of the Planthropology Podcast. This is Vikram Baliga, your host, and I am just so excited that you're here and that I'm here and that we are chatting. How's everyone doing? You holding up okay in a quarantine? Looks like things may at some point in the near future start loosening up a little bit, but uh, keep making good decisions and all that stuff. Follow the rules, maybe even be um, more cautious than the rules if uh, your state is opening up early like mine is and uh, just play it by ear. Make sure you're being careful. I want all of you to stay safe and healthy. I have a great episode for you today. I'm really excited about it, but I want to kick things off with a review. And this one is from Danielle. And uh, the tag for this review, which is five stars, by the way, so thanks, Danielle, is great for experts and novices alike. I've enjoyed listening to this during my commute so much, exclamation point. I don't know how to properly emote that, so I'm just going to say it. Exclamation point. It's casual, entertaining, and easy to follow, but I learned so much about uh, science from each episode. It's also great to hear everyone's career path. As a biologist early in my career, it is so helpful to hear all the different avenues in this field. Danielle, I really appreciate it. Danielle, I think, I just saw, uh, joined our Planthropology's Cool Plant People Facebook group. And that is a thing you should do too. It's a lot of fun, um, lots of great conversations and memes and all kinds of really fun things. Uh, Real quick, um, talking about reviews, I got my first one star review. Now, I was actually going to read the uh, or one star rating, I guess I was going to read the review that went with it, but they didn't leave one. So if you would like to combat one star gym, as I've been calling them for no reason in particular, uh, drop me a rating and review on Apple or on Podchaser. The links are in the bio. Uh, and I really appreciate it. It really helps me out and make sure that I am doing the right thing. Okay, so on to today's episode. Um, I got to sit down quite a while ago, back in January, with uh, Dr. Erica Earlbeck and Kelsey Opat from the Texas Tech Department of Agricultural Education and Communications. And we had a great interview, and then I promptly lost it. Yep. I lost it. Somehow the file got corrupted on my computer when and when I went back to listen to it, to, to edit it, to get it out to you folks, um, it was gone. And then, of course, the memory card that I recorded the episode on was also gone. So I emailed uh, Dr. Earlbeck and Kelsey again just to see if they'd be able to do a quick re-record. And they were gracious enough uh, last week to jump on um, Zoom with me after a bunch of technical difficulties and all kinds of fun shenanigans, which I'll tell you about someday, maybe, um, and record another episode with me. Turns out, though, this was Thursday, uh, Friday, I found that stupid memory card. I looked everywhere, everywhere, absolutely everywhere, and then just happened to find it buried in uh, a camera bag, which so apparently I took my, you know, Zoom recorder card and threw it in my camera at some point. So I have two episodes from uh, Dr. Earl Beck and Kelsey. So what I think I'm going to do is uh, the one you're going to hear today, I think, because it's more relevant to our time that we're dealing with right now is the one that we recorded last week. But I'm putting a secret web page or a secret page on my website. And uh, if you are a uh, Patreon patron, or if you're a member of the uh, Plant Apologies Cool Plant People Facebook group, I will give you a link where you can go and listen to that original recording, which was really good, um, and I think you'll really enjoy it. So we had a great conversation about um, education and how to do it at a distance, about the best way to be an agricultural communicator and science communicator, and about a really interesting concept called the Nerd Shield, which I had never heard, um, but and I don't know if you have either, but I'm glad that I know about it now, and I think you will be too. So um, thanks so much for listening as always. Again, I hope you're doing well, and I hope you love today's episode of Planthropology. All right. Well, I am here today with Dr. Erica Earlbeck and Kelsey Opat from the Department of Agricultural Education and Communications. How are you all today? Wonderful. How are you? Good. I'm great. Good, good. Well, and so I appreciate y'all again being with me again today. We, uh, For those out you out there listening, we had recorded this episode like 
months ago. I think it was in January. I don't, I don't really remember exactly. And uh, because technology hates me, uh, it went away. And so I asked it if they would uh, uh, come and re-record with me. And we've spent the past like half hour trying to get technology to work. So this is this this episode so far has been quite the adventure. But um, so I think I'd just like to uh, start off with introductions. So if y'all don't mind telling me kind of what y'all do in the department, what your current roles are, um, what you're working on. Uh, and that kind of stuff, and and maybe a little bit about your background, that would be great. So whoever wants to start can go. Go ahead, Kelsey. Uh, okay, I can start. So I'm Kelsey Opat, like Vikram said. I'm a doctoral candidate now within our department, and I teach our scientific writing class for our um, agricultural communication students right now. And other than that, basically all I do is, um, well, I was going to say all I do is write dissertation <laughs> but I also do help with the Center for Agri-Science Communications at Texas Tech with Dr. Olbeck. Okay yeah is that all just just writing a dissertation that that feels like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes no well right now I'm writing my dissertation and also trying to figure out how to transition to online and adapting to that during all of this so. Yeah that's that's an adventure for sure. So if you're listening to this sometime in the future, it is uh, April 17th. So we are still uh, here in Texas on, you know, quarantine and social isolation and all that. Our university is still closed, kind of. We're not on campus, really. So uh, it's, uh, it's been, it's been something. So uh, (laughs) Dr. Robeck. Yeah, um, my name is Erica Earlbeck, and I, in September, I will officially be a professor of agricultural communication. So I am, I can be, I can be promoted no more. <laughs> but that's kind of a nice thing to have. You. Yeah, yeah. Um, I my background is in uh, television news and video production. Um, I also do research in uh, scientific communications and risk and crisis communications, but anytime there's a good video study available, I'm always game for that. Okay. So, um, so risk and crisis communications, that's, uh, that's probably pretty relevant today, I would think. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Man, but <laughs> talk about a moving target at the moment. Uh, you know, and it's one of those things that when uh, when tech announced that it was going to move to online quest- online classes indefinitely, Kelsey and several of the other grad students were on that quickly and, uh, you know, working on doing some different ways to conduct research uh, in the midst of a crisis. And, uh, you know, we look back at a lot of crises and say, man, if we just would have been collecting data while that was happening, we would have had a much richer data set. But we, we've, you know, one thing that we're looking into doing is a study on uh, rural medicine and how are some of these smaller hospitals handling this crisis. And we don't want to bother them. Uh, they're busy. Mm. And so to take an hour to answer our questions, um, you know, we're, we're kind of hesitant to do that. So sometimes, yeah, it would be best if I could be standing next to a doctor in a rural clinic and asking, so who told you about COVID-19? Where did you first <laughs> learn about it? But like, I don't want to bother them. So, um, so yeah, sometimes you, and again, this is a moving target. So, you know, we can look back and, you know, just take our little world, Texas Tech University and ask ourselves, how was this crisis handled? Well, which week? or which day even, because sometimes stuff was changing daily um, and major changes daily. So, you know, it's, uh, I think, you know, when this whole thing has been put to bed, if it ever is, that'll be when we can look back at it. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's plenty of stuff that we can look back at now and ask, you know, was that handled appropriately, blah, blah, blah. Sure. And, you know, I guess hindsight's always uh, 2020, as they yes. say, but, um, you know, and, and like it, it is an evolving situation and quickly evolving. And it's mm-hmm. like, uh, and it's interesting just watching the the messaging coming from everyone, you know, yeah. Chipotle or, you know, every, it seems <laughs> like every company right now, Chipotle's maybe a bad example for talking to ad <laughs> communicators, but, um, but like every company yeah. right now is like, you know what we need to do? We need to come up with an email about COVID-19 and email everyone in our, <laughs> yeah. 
and it, everybody does it's and it's for it's, every commercial right now oh my gosh yes and at some point i'm like you know what i don't really care what wendy's thinks about no. covid19 no just is your drive through <laughs> open that's really all i need to know yeah, <laughs> yeah or avon like i just can you ship <laughs> Can you ship my lotion? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's all I need to know. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's it's really just interesting seeing how people handle it. And, and you know, it's it's funny because every like I listen to a lot of podcasts, and every podcast out there is right. Oh, like you know, we need to do a COVID nineteen episode. And mm-hmm. uh, in my mind, I was like, oh, that doesn't fit with what we're doing. But then here we are talking. But you know, I think we're going to talk more on the the uh, communication side, but. Before we get into some of that, I wanted to ask how transitioning to online classes has gone for y'all because we talk a lot about, at least for what I do with this, um, you know, it's very informal education, right? So I'm talking to the, the general public and my background in extension is very much talking to general public. Then when you're trying to communicate at a distance with, you know, in some cases, maybe hundreds of college students in a formal setting. What is, what has that been like? Cause I know y'all are both teaching right now. So we had just gotten to the part in our class where we were learning, um, even what journal scientific articles are and how to cite them, how to find them. So that has been very interesting trying to teach freshmen who they, they really don't know what this is. They don't know how to distinguish that from a news article or you know, a a magazine article, anything like that. So um, that's been challenging, trying to get this very technical information to them and having them understand it. And then um, when we were talking a little bit before the podcast, I told you too, it seems like our students, um, when they do get on to talk to us for virtual office hours, or at least this is what I have have experienced, um, they just want to talk. They want to know what's going on around town. They want to know what I've been up to. Um, they really don't want to talk about their grades right now or the projects they're wanting to just talk. So that's what I've seen at least. Mine, uh, I'm going to tell on myself, uh, <laughs> you know, being a crusty old faculty member like I am, I have realized uh, in this transition how much I wing it. <laughs> and, uh, and by that, I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, the two classes, for example, I'm teaching two classes this semester. Both of them, one of them I have taught for 10 years. Another one I've taught for three or four years. So I've done this before. So for the most, not every time, like there are some times that I will scrap what I did the time before and do something totally different, or I will add a new lesson that I've never taught before. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I look to see what I, what, what's the topic of the day? Like, and I mean, I'm talking earlier that morning, what's today's topic? <laughs> what am I going to do about it? And I'll update my slides or update, you know, an activity that we were going to do. And I walk in and teach. Um, so you know, I don't mean to sound like I'm unprepared, but, you know, I've just done this so many times that there are many lessons that I teach kind of on autopilot and, uh, you know, add in some new current information because I don't ever teach the same lesson the same way, but, you know, Mm -hmm. brush it off, update it and go in and teach. And uh, with this, like I'm completely having to change the way I teach. So, you know, and it it also is, will probably make next semesters better because I've looked at some of my lessons. I'm like, dang, that's really long. I'm like, do I really make (laughs) them sit through a 40 slide PowerPoint, <laughs> you know, things like that. Like, wow, did, how did I break this up? Um, you know, and there, there are many things that we've done where we'll stop and do an in-class activity or I'll, I'll stop and say, okay, everybody pull your phone out. And I want you all to find, you know, just Google, um, antibiotic resistance in, uh, humans or, you know, something like that. Sure. And, uh, you know, and I can't do that in an online setting because, you know, one thing that we're realizing in this situation is that, you know, these students are dealing with a number of things like, uh, you know, families needing them to help them, 
you know, with our students on possibly on the farm or families needing their kids to help them with the family business or uh, go help your grandmother. Uh, you know, she's not feeling well. So uh, help, help your little sister with her homework. Um, those things are happening to our students. And so to try to pull them together every week at a certain time and require them to be there. Some people do. I just uh, did not really think I'd have very good attendance doing that. So um, I, we do a, an optional face-to-face in my class every week. And that's, and again, it's like Kelsey said, they just kind of want to chat. So, and and that's fine because I want to chat too. So yeah. So we, we kind of check off the to-do list for the week and then we move on and talk about fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's that's really cool that you say that because I think maybe something we forget, um, and and I don't know, and, and maybe I have to be careful saying this because you know, it's definitely a generalization. But you know, in academia, it has gotten to be such a big thing. I don't know what the word is, but a big thing that that we lose. I think sometimes the human component of the students that we teach and the. Uh, the the face to face interaction, which you know is is certainly different right now, but um, you know I've got I have six or eight student assist, six student assistants right now that um, work for me here at the greenhouse, and they're you know obviously all gone right now. But uh, something I've been trying to like keep in mind is that I mean they're they're, they're adults technically, mm-hmm. but they're like eighteen twenty, they're kids. And, and I I was just thinking about like it at when I was 20, uh, if I had had to deal with this situation and deal with college and all of that, I don't know that I was really like emotionally or, uh, physically equipped to, to deal with it. And so like, I, I've been trying to just text all my, my assistants, you know, once every few days and just check in and be like, Hey, how's everyone doing? Do you need anything? Okay. And but it, uh, you know, it's weird that something like this has kind of allowed us to maybe in some ways bring back in some of that human connection into our academic pursuits. What are, what are y'all's thoughts on that? I know it's really made me rethink, um, you know, if an assignment's late, is it really that big a deal? You know, I emailed them. I see a lot of them, like Dr. Elbeck said, they have other situations going on. Um, that they normally wouldn't. And it's, it's nice to be able to connect with them and um, really understand their story a little more. And it's just helped me be more empathetic to them, honestly. And um, like I said, see what's actually important about the class. It's important for them to learn and it's important for them to have a good experience and to be able to build off of this class. Is it important for every assignment to be turned in um, right at midnight on the due date? not necessarily right now. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd echo everything that Kelsey just said. And, um, there, there are some things that I think we can, you know, there, there's some things that will get better, uh, you know, because of this experience and, uh, the way we teach might be one of them or, yeah, we may be in our quest to find something interesting for them to read. We may, you know, run into a new line of, um, you know, research that we may want to start looking into or, you know, like, Hey, we need to start incorporating this into, you know, our campaigns class, you know, things like that. So it, it has opened our eyes to a lot of different things. Um, another thing, I think I'm going to start um, bringing Lysol to the classroom, Lysol wipes and <laughs> beginning of class, everybody gets a wipe, wipe off your desk and just go ahead and use your, to wipe your hands and okay, let's start class. You <laughs> know, it, we'll get cleaner. it is shocking to me how many people were like real upset about having to wash their hands. I know. I, I'm like, scary. wait, what? Uh, Why are, we're not doing that? <laughs> yes. Apparently we're all gross. I don't know. <laughs> there, uh, there was a, a business that um, I, I, I won't say who or what kind of business, but a business that I would expect, you know, was pretty clean. And they did a, an Instagram post about this is what we're now doing. And I'm like, wait, you're now uh, <laughs> sanitizing in between each You didn't do that before. <laughs> That's a little horrifying. I know, I know. That's our daycare the other day. We were talking about this, and and they are very, very clean anyway. But they said they have had to send almost zero kids home because they've been sick for this, you know, what, a month now? 
I'm like, maybe we should have been doing this much more. <laughs> yeah, because there's there's like other stuff out there that will also get yes. you sick. Yes. Um, all right. So, so changing gears just a little bit, um, <clears throat> Dr. Obuck, you, you mentioned research. So I kind of wanted to ask um, a little bit about what y'all are working on in, in your projects. And this is something we talked about before. And I know, Kelsey, you're trying to finish up your uh, doctoral program right now. So if you want to start and kind of talk about what your research has been in, and then uh, Dr. Obeck, if you want to kind of just give us an update on what you're working on. Yeah, go for it, Kelsey. Sure. Okay. So I, in the past, have done a little bit of risk and crisis communication, um, but right now I'm really focused on science communication. And like you said, I'm working on my dissertation, and what I am looking at is basically how interesting, incredible, our young adult Generation Z people believe scientific podcasts to be, and then what actually drives them to believe that. So um, I'm mainly looking at um, narrative versus logical scientific communication. So with if they hear a story on a podcast versus when we talk pure science language to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some other things like, you know, how they feel about science anyway, how that plays into it and, um, you know, things of that nature. But um, yeah, so that's really what I've been studying for the last few months now. Right. So. That's, that's really fascinating. And I think that that, uh, I'm I'm excited to one of these days, you know, read and see some of your results because I'm really, you know, as as a scientist, but as a science podcaster as well, I'm really interested to hear what Mm -hmm. people think and and like what they care about when they get this kind of information. Right. And I think a lot of what I with the preliminary results that I've been going through, it's um, it's really going to be, I think, finding that balance between being credible and interesting, because Mm -hmm. if you become you know, you start giving too much science to, and it raises your credibility. Well, then all of a sudden you're really not um, holding your audience's interest anymore. So somewhere in the middle is um, what you really need to try to strike that balance. But so awesome. Yeah. Dr. Elba. Yeah. Um, on the horizon for us, we have, there's a group of us that submitted a grant to USDA to continue doing the work that Kelsey and I have been doing. So we were funded uh, in a, uh, a project working with, it was Bayer and then transferred over to BASF uh, to help uh, plant soil science Uh, doctoral students with their communication skills. The grant project that we applied for is to um, expand on that project. So we'll still include the uh, graduate students in the program, but we want to expand this to new faculty as well. Um, And, you know, and a lot of it goes into reputation building or personal branding. And so building yourself up as an expert in something and having your reputation built on, and it can be whatever scale you want it to be. Do you want to be an expert, you know, in the Texas tech and Lubbock community and be known throughout the university? That's, that's cool. Um, Or do you want to be known as the international expert on greenhouse management? Um, You know, and, and that's cool too. So how do you build up that reputation so that you not only bolster yourself as a scientist, but also bolster the uh, reputation of the institution that you're working for. And uh, so, and, and also like, we're all like, if we're teaching class, we're required to speak publicly. So we'll have some lessons on public speaking and, and enhancing our teaching as well. Uh, we'll also do, if we get the grant, <laughs> also do some, you know, uh, lessons on social media, general media, and then also just the, that interpersonal communication. So when your neighbor stops, you get a new neighbor, they move in. Oh, what do you do? Well, I'm a professor at Texas Tech. Oh, really? What in? Um, <laughs> you know, and you say something that's, you know, really cool and scientific, but your neighbor doesn't, how do you explain that to them? And, um, you know, and I think a lot of times those interpersonal conversations with our neighbor or somebody that's in our civic organization that we're a member of, sometimes those can be more meaningful and more impactful than, you know, doing an interview with the local television station, you know, depending on the situation. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and that's, you know, that's really interesting. I, I like the the way you put that, that, you know, two parts of that is that we're, a lot of what we do is personal branding. Mm-hmm. Um, because I guess at, at some point as communicators, we are the product, right? Like the, mm-hmm. the, the science is there and like all of that. And that's, you know, that's part of our product. The, the, the knowledge and the information is part of our product. But if we're not believable, if we're not trustworthy, if we're not, putting that out there in a way that people want one want to consume, but two that they'll believe, uh, you know, we're not doing our jobs and that's, that's really an interesting way to look at that. And I think it's cool that y'all are expanding. Is this that same, what, what CATT program Uh or that was, okay, cool. That's really cool. Um, Cause yeah, you know, I, I think I, I don't know if I attended any of them, but I think I spoke at one or two of those Mm -hmm. about, yeah, social media a little bit and that that's really a lot of fun I think that's cool that you're explaining that to young faculty too yeah yeah I'm excited about it I hope I hope they like our project and they approve it so oh wish us luck yeah yeah that's really cool um okay so a, a couple of things I wanted to discuss um so you know specifically you know we've been talking about science communication and and, and all of that and I think that's you know kind of a, such a broad topic, uh, especially right now, you know, there's, there's one major focus and that's like, you know, everyone's an amateur virologist right now, uh, <laughs> an epidemiologist, uh, especially if you're, if you spend any time on Twitter, it's, uh, uh, oh, wow. a whole bunch of experts right now, but, um, more specific to what, what we do in agricultural communication. Um, I had a question. I'm sorry. It's gone. Hang on. (laughs) It'll come back. Um, In agricultural communication, I think that we deal um, in general with a lot of potentially controversial topics from uh, water to urban sprawl versus agriculture to uh, GMOs and people's food and all of that. Uh, do you think that there are specific ways we need to be approaching the ways we communicate some of these uh, controversial things versus maybe some other topics that are a little bit more, I don't know, like if, you know, if you're telling people that the the sun is a big nuclear furnace. It's like, okay, great. But if it's like GMOs are safe for you, uh, that's like a whole other issue when you're talking about people's food. So I guess my question is how do we approach, how do you think we should be approaching some of these like touchy topics while still giving good science, but maybe giving people a little bit of peace of mind as well? So what I come across in my research all the time is that we need to find some way to connect with the audience or whoever you're talking to, um, find a value that you, um, you know, the same value that you have. So especially when you're talking about GMOs, like I have a a son myself, I'm a parent. So that might be something that I connect with someone on is I want my kid to grow up healthy as well. I don't want him to have cancer or whatever other problem they believe that might cause. Right. Um, but I still will feed that to my son. So you know, just finding those those common values with them um, and listening to their concerns and realizing that they're genuine concerns. They're not something that they're just um, making up or trying to, what, how am I trying to say that? Like, they're not just saying it to get attention. It's something that they really are concerned about and right. take that seriously. So you have anything to add, Dr. Olbeck? Yeah, just not being dismiss, not being dismissive. Um, also, don't be condescending. Um, I see that happen a lot in a lot of different circles, and we're just as guilty of it in agriculture as well. Um, don't be condescending. Don't be judgmental because of their lack of information, because they just, mm-hmm. you know, with with a lot of things in agriculture, I'm like, why would that person know that? I mean that. Yeah. They, they've had no experience with growing a corn crop or a cotton crop before. So right. why would we expect them to have the background knowledge that we do? And then also just be as transparent as possible. Um, you know, and in, 
it was several years ago, I was on a tour out at a ranch and there's a, a busload full of journalists on it. And you know, the rancher said, you know, when, uh, when their baby's on the ground, we give them a shot and da, 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 da. And, you know, and several people asked about that and he's like, well, you know, when your kids are born, it is doctor recommended that you give them a shot. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a series of shots that children should get you have a choice and I have a choice too, as a rancher. He said, I want to protect these baby calves from, you know, a number of different uh, illnesses that are out there. Same as you would with your children. Um, you know, you can choose to do it, choose to not do it. I choose to do it because I think it's in their best interest in for the better health of the cattle. Mm-hmm. He wasn't trying to hide anything. Um, he was very transparent and had a reason for doing it. And I think that that's important too, that transparency piece as well. So, you know, if you are doing something that some people might call into question, it's okay. I mean, just to explain why you want to do it and don't, don't try to hide anything um, when you're trying to explain those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the the worst things we can do is as a, uh, uh, science communicators is, or just maybe communicators in general is to get defensive and mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, it, and it, it's kind of a natural reaction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we did, when I was starting with extension, we did this onboarding thing, um, during our new agent training where they would have, um, mock press conferences. And so they would put us in like teams of three or four, give us a prompt about, something like I think mine was like a clean water act or something and they'd be like okay you have 15 minutes to go out in the hallway and prep for this press conference like, oh crap okay <laughs> I have no idea you know uh these are brand new employees and all of that and then they bring you in a room and it's full of students from the journalism department at, at A&M and you're supposed to give a little presentation and they fire questions at you and that was a you know a um kind of no pressure learning situation but the number of adults like <laughs> like you know real adults that <laughs> would get so defensive and angry and like yell at this room full of students about the questions they were asking i'm like well that's not a great look and <laughs> but but what i've what i've seen since then is that you know you watch press conferences on tv and that's like real life people are not prepared for those kinds of stressful situations and to um, go in and respond maybe calmly and, um, you know, matter of factly without really getting their feelings hurt and getting upset. So that's, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, like you were saying, that's, that's training. I think we all need in the sciences Mm -hmm. Um, because you, you may not ever end up on the news talking about it, but you may, like you said, talk to your neighbor about it and you don't want to yell at them either. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about um, social media. And uh, gosh, it's been, so I was in, I was a freshman in college when Facebook started, you know, in the, in the day when you still needed a .edu um, email address to, to be on <laughs> Facebook. And so like pretty much Facebook has been a thing my entire adult life. And I've, I've kind of, and that was, you know, one of the big, I guess there was some before that with like MySpace and a few other things, but that was like the first really big push into social media. And it comes with a lot of benefits and a lot of drawbacks. Um, what, and, and I don't, I'm not even sure the best way to necessarily ask this question, but um, where do you see as ag communicators, um, as scientists, where do you see our biggest um potential benefits are in social media? I mean, like what things should we be doing? What maybe things should we not be doing in that, that kind of realm? Uh, the benefits are amazing <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it's kind of hard to uh, list them all out, but the prop in, in my opinion, the biggest benefit that we have from social media is the fact that we get to put out a message when we want and in the way that we want and we can say what we want without, you know, let's just say that we did an interview for a newspaper. They're only going to use a few snippets of that interview and, um, and they might get it wrong, you know, and that they're humans, they make mistakes. So those types of things happen. 
but with social media, if the information that we put out there is wrong, that's our own fault. (laughs) And uh, so you get to put and you can tweak it and curate it as much as you want to. And then you can post it whenever you're ready to do that. And you can post it at exactly the right time. And, uh, you know, and if you wanted to use video to accompany it, you can, or if you just want to have a photo or if you don't want any visuals, you don't have to have all that. So, you know, you have control completely over that message that goes out there. And I think that is the greatest benefit to having any kind of social media presence. Okay. Do you use, uh, what, what platforms do you use? Are you on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? <laughs> do you, cause, cause yes. Twitter, Twitter gives me anxiety. I've been doing yeah. it, but it gives me anxiety. <laughs> yeah. I don't use Twitter very much. I, I find myself posting video and uh, photos of weather stuff. I don't know why I do this. <laughs> <but> <laughs> not the only thing interesting that happens that I think other people would care about. And there's this group weathernation.com. And every time I tweet, they say, may we use this? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I did get picked up. Uh, I did have some video on uh, ABC or World News Tonight because I tweeted it. Uh, oh, really? Uh, snow. Yeah. When we had a blizzard uh, two Christmases ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, that's cool. Oh, okay. um, but yeah, otherwise I don't use Twitter a whole lot, but I am on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I have a blog. That's about it. I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn, but I'm a bad follow on LinkedIn. Um, I don't know how to use that one. Same. Oh, it's, yeah, I kind of think of it as like my virtual resume and that's about it. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. What about, what about you, Kelsey? You've, uh, uh, I mean, I think you're probably in the same kind of ex- experience yeah. I have where it's been a, a thing for most of your adult life. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. What, what, what are your thoughts? Do you use it a lot? Do you think it's something we should be using more or less? I, and I know we talked about this the last time we did the interview, but I feel like such a hypocrite because <laughs> I tell people that they should use these social media um, sites to put out their science. But if you looked at my Facebook, Instagram, um, you maybe you'd see a picture from a conference that I was <laughs> me presenting research there, but that's about it. I do have a personal website though, that I do try to keep up with. Um, and I'm, I look at that as part of building my brand, like Dr. Olbeck has been talking about, but I don't, um, right now, at least I don't have a blog on there or anything like that. So, um, I really should use social media more than I do. And I am trying to get more into LinkedIn um, and figure out um, like what to post on there. What would, what do people actually care about on LinkedIn? Um, But same, I'm I'm not really sure how to use it. Yeah. Well, and and the reason I bring that up is, uh, or just the whole social media thing is that I agree that there are so many, um, potential benefits to using it and using it well. Uh, you know, but it's, it can be scary, I think, especially, especially for, I think, our, our faculty and our scientists that are not used to it um, to start mm-hmm. putting information out there. Uh, because, you know, you don't have to, to troll very far on Twitter or Facebook to see, like, someone that's posted something and has gotten totally lit up by it. You know, that, like, uh, the, the, court of public opinion is so much more instantaneous, I think, today because of social media that um, it can be intimidating, I think, especially if you're not used to it, if it's something new. And I think about some of our, our older faculty that are, you know, close to retirement and then having to move to like more online formats for everything and like social media for outreach and all that. And mm-hmm. I can see how that would be terrifying. I think it'd be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it kind of is for me, but I just, I don't know. I think that's an interesting just um, kind of uh, world that we're in, but moving more and more into as, as scientists. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think something else though, that social media allows us to have besides, you know, like Dr. Olbeck said, being on the news and um, and having that one interview where you just, put out your information that one time and the media have control over how that actually comes across. Um, I think social media too allows you to, you don't have to put your, your personal life 
out there along with your science if you're not comfortable with that. But mm -hmm. it does help you establish yourself as a real person. And yeah. I think that that goes a long way sometimes, especially when we're talking about more of that controversial science. So. Yeah, being real people is pretty, yeah, that, no, but you're right. That is totally important. And so, uh, you know, the, the difference between like maybe tweeting or posting from like a, like a professional organization account versus your own is just in terms of the interaction and stuff is pretty different. I think, uh, a, a lot of times people, people may be more scared to, or to be, uh, or more tentative about being super rude to an individual <laughs> versus like, no, it's Texas tech or, oh, it's, you know, well, whatever. Sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah, well, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Sometimes. So uh, we'll start kind of wrapping up, but um, something I wanted to talk about that we discussed last time we recorded that I didn't want to let go because it's really interesting and it's something I'd never heard about before that y'all brought up was this concept of the nerd shield. Nerd shield. <laughs> and we talked about that for a few minutes at the end of the episode. And I want to do that again because it's such an interesting concept. So uh, tell us about this this concept of the nerd shield. Okay. And I, I think you can substitute a lot of other words in for the word nerd, um, <laughs> you know, cause I I've seen it in, in agriculture. So, you know, somebody posts something and then the haters come in and attack that. Um, I have seen many, many times a, this group, the, the nerd shield that comes in and protects the original poster from the haters. And uh, so that, that is, is the uh, phenomenon known as the nerd shield and, and maybe uh, nerd is not the right word. It's just the word that I heard used. <laughs> I like it. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's that group of people that come in and say, actually, uh, you know, the, the person that made this post is correct. And in my experience, I see it this way. And so, you know, it's a group of people that's out there that make you feel like you're not alone. If you stick your ne neck out there and yeah. uh, you know, say something about science and you know, there might be somebody that doesn't like it, but there's going to be some more people out there that will protect you and back you and make you feel like you are right in making that post that you put up there. And it's something that you can see almost immediately after the, the trolls or the haters or whatever start commenting. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not something that, Oh, I, one of the, the quote nerds will show up a week later. It's like almost instantaneously. It's really interesting to, to see or to go through comments later and notice it happening. But yeah, that's, that's fascinating <laughs> to me. Fascinating. Well, cause, and it's, it's so interesting. So like if you're at a conference giving a talk and you say something controversial and people start asking like, you know, pointed tough or, or sometimes rude questions, which ha totally happens, you know, uh -huh. Uh, the odds of someone else in the audience piping in and defending you were pretty low, I think, uh -huh. at least in my experience. I've never had that happen, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but online, again, because it's so connected, I think that there's a lot of people that, that, that are willing to be like, you know, no, I, I agree with this person. I think that they're mm -hmm. right. I think that you're wrong for these. And it's not always quite <laughs> so civil, maybe. But um, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I've seen the name calling and uh, all of the claws come out. <laughs> it is entertaining, though. <laughs> oh, very, very. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I generally make a rule in my like day to day life not to read the comments in most like news stories and things like that. Yeah. But every now and then it's like, I don't know if it's just like morbid curiosity or what it is. Yeah. But I'm like, you know what? I can't look away. I'm yes. Gonna, I'm going to look through this and see what, what new insults people have come up with. It's really exciting. And 45 minutes later, then you've gotten through all of the comments <laughs> in that thread. And, <laughs> and, and your mood has, has altered uh, in some way. Yes. <laughs> yes. You've lost faith in humanity and basic human decency. Yeah. <laughs> but I think if you're listening to this, I think uh, maybe a good take home from that, that, you know, whole concept is, if you have knowledge in a um, in a subject, and you're you know, you know, I'm not saying you have to have like a PhD in a topic, but if you're knowledgeable mm -hmm. and confident in a topic, don't be afraid to put that like to stand up for people. I think don't yeah. be afraid to back up the scientists you follow. Don't be you know afraid to to really use your knowledge in a constructive way. I, I think probably stay away from the the name calling and the the being a jerk that's so common. Right, on the right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, 
And I've even seen this on, so I did a study on babycenter.com, which is like a mom uh, Q&A session. Anyone can get on there, answer questions. But I've seen that even on there where um, someone will say something, well, I was looking particularly at organic and like someone would say something negative about GMOs. And then you'd have like three different people, you know, maybe a farmer, a scientist and a professor or PhD, you know, of, of that topic and they'll defend them. And then after that, though, people will ask them questions. And what a great way to, you know, share that knowledge with people who actually are genuinely curious. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah, and something that I uh, meant to say, so I'll say it now. Um, <laughs> you know, think of, you know, you think of any topic and, um, you know, let's just, we can go with GMOs here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, think of the world as a bell curve and uh, or think of the people who are online. You have 10 to 20% off, off on the far one of the far sides and uh, man, they can never be convinced that there could ever be anything wrong with genetically modified organisms. (laughs) And then you have the people on the opposite side, on the other side of that bell curve that, you know, GMOs are evil. There is nothing good about them. Nothing good can come from them. So there's people that, that think that way and you will never convince them. Otherwise everybody else is sitting in the middle. And, you know, and just because they have questions about that doesn't mean that they're saying, yes, they're absolutely wonderful or no, they're absolutely terrible. They're just trying to make up their minds and trying to figure out, should they be seeking out food products that uh, don't do or don't have genetically modified organisms in them? So, you know, it's important to know that the majority of the population is sitting in that movable middle and they just want to ask questions and just want to buy the right things and do what's best for them and their families. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's important to because a lot of times we see, um, you know, the absolute worst in people yeah. on social media and it, in chat on chat boards or on comments to news stories and things like that. Yeah. No, that's, that's really good. And that's really interesting. And I think that is important to remember that gosh, people just need information and, and mm-hmm. most people I think genuinely want good information. And, mm-hmm. and want to be able to take that and evaluate and build their own worldview. And you're right that there's always those tales of the curve that are, uh, you know, it, but th- those are not the people we're trying to educate. Yeah. It's, the, it's yeah. the folks, like you say, in the middle of that bell curve. Mm-hmm. So uh, just, just to kind of uh, conclude this, and this is, uh, you know, I ask um, pretty much everyone I bring on for some piece of advice. Um, so, and I think I did this to you last time and I, I didn't warn you last time either, but, um, so if there was a piece of advice you could give our listeners to, it, it can really be anything, but I think what I'm curious about is like just to be a better communicator in their lives. Uh, and you know, I think we've talked about this a lot, but if there was something that you feel is super important to drive home, um, just to be a better communicator, what do you think that would be? Um, hmm. I'm trying to think of what like the one point would be. It's kind of hard, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say, uh, for, you know, my takeaway message for communications is to do it. Um, you, you know, your topic, you know, whatever it is that you do or whatever it is that you're passionate about, you know, that topic. So be willing to to talk about it. And I'm not saying that you have to go out and get on Twitter and start shouting from the rooftops about whatever (laughs) topic it is that you are passionate about, but be willing to talk to people. And maybe it is in a face-to-face environment, or maybe you are a, um, you know, a, a sought after guest speaker, or maybe you're the expert in town that the local media turns to, but be willing to communicate because if you don't communicate, there's going to be somebody who does and that person may not necessarily have the best information or, or the best intentions with that information. Okay. Yeah, that's great. That is great. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's so hard to just wrap everything up in one little, I know one nugget package. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Oh gosh, I'm just going to give you the biggest cliche I know, I guess. That's but, fine. <laughs> um, um, I believe probably the most important thing about communications, and we say this all the time in communications, and all of our students here say this probably once a week or maybe even every class, but um, just knowing your audience and thinking through who you're speaking to and the values that they have and the knowledge that they have. Um, and honestly, what they're trying to learn or what you're trying to teach your audience while you're speaking to them. So just thinking through who that is and where they're coming from. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, Cause yeah, we all have a unique perspective for sure that I think is, um, and, and it, that, you know, honestly, that's a cliche for a reason because it's really true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's really true. Um, so if it, assuming you want to be found on the internet, where can we find y'all? Where can we find the, <laughs> the stuff you do in your work and your projects? Or if you don't want to be found, found that's okay too. I have to look what my name is. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm on Instagram at Kelsey Opat, which my name is a little strange, but it's K-E-L-S-I-O-P-A-T. Um, and then I'm also on Facebook. And then I do have my website as well, which is KelseyOpat.com. Okay. And I am on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and it's just Erica Earlbeck. On Facebook, I have my maiden name in there, so it's Erica Goss, G-O-S-S, Earlbeck. Um, but everything else, just at Erica, E-R-I-C-A-I-R-L-B-E-C-K. Cool. Yeah. Well, well, thank you all again so much for being patient with my, uh, un, you know, misunderstanding of technology in general <laughs> and for losing memory cards and deleting stuff and all that. So it's part of communications. Yeah. Part yeah. of the biz. <laughs> it's always so much fun. But, uh, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back with you next week with uh, someone. I don't know yet. <laughs> we'll find out another <laughs> guest. Uh, but I hope everyone's doing well and hanging in there and we will see you next time. Thank you. Yes, thank you. So I hope one thing you took away from today's episode is that you can stand up for what's true and for what you believe in and for what you know to be the right answer to a scientific thing, but you don't have to be a jerk to do it. You don't have to be condescending and that you can get good information out and still have friends on the interwebs. So I hope for you, because you are a communicator, whether you realize it or not, um, regardless of what you do, you are expected to uh, get your message out there in a clear way. Um, that you should be encouraged that you can do it, that we can all do it and that, uh, we all make mistakes like losing memory cards and all kinds of other weird stuff, but you know what? It's okay. And we keep going and we keep getting better and we keep doing it. Thank you so much for listening. It is just a pleasure doing this show for you. And I'm glad that you have stuck with us through all this, uh, uh, madness in the world right now and all the ups and downs of the show and of society, but y'all mean the world to me. So, uh, you can find Plantropology online on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look for Planthropology or search for Planthropology and look for the uh, green background with the white tree. Um, you can support the show at patreon.com slash Planthropology. All donations that I receive, probably at least through through June, maybe through the whole summer, uh, will be donated to our local food bank here. Um, but it's because of y'all and your support and your reviews and everything else that we can keep doing what we're doing here at uh, the Texas Tech Department of Plant and Soil Science at the Plantropology Podcast. And y'all are the best. So hang in there. Uh, I, it's going to get better. And I can't wait to talk to you again next week. Y'all are the best. Talk to you soon. <laughs>